0: Thank you for coming. I'm Helen, and this is a podcast for people who are sharing their small business on the internet. It started for me on Instagram. I taught myself how to work the app. not work the app and you had to work the app but to intentionally grow an audience there about four years ago now and discovered that community building's sort of one of my superpowers. Not accumulating bazillions of followers but getting a real chat going on the app. I call it having Instagram that works so I teach that now essentially. Something I do worry about though is that through my job I'm somehow advocating for Instagram and Facebook, like advertising them. Instagram works for me brilliantly, I love it, but not for everybody. So I am pro-sharing, I'm so pro good communications, I love them, but I'm not pro any particular platform because it's not always pretty out there. Many online spaces are where we find people indulging their worst instincts, spreading nonsense, bullying, making us feel like crap. It's become less and less kind and more and more aggressive, it feels like, over the years. And thinking about what to do about it to solve the massive problems of social media, just of the way we talk to people we disagree with, can be really overwhelming. But our guest has a plan
1: all of us have problematic thoughts every single person would offend someone somewhere with something that they think and a view that they hold about themselves about society we are all problematic and I think some of this conversation why it gets problematic is because some of us think we're not problematic we think we're the answer
0: Janelle Aldred is a comms strategist which means she helps businesses get their message out there brilliantly and she used to be a journalist at ITV and BBC News now, she's written a book. It's called Communicate for Change. There's a link to it in the show notes if you'd like to buy it. It's about how we can have better conversations about difficult things like race and privilege, about the way to influence change rather than just shout about how right we are and how wrong the other side is. So keep listening. We chat about whether everyone on social needs to get involved with these topics, whether social platforms have to change so that there can be no anonymous trolls anymore. But first, I asked Janelle whether it was lockdown that got
1: her thinking and writing about this. (laughs) Oh 100% I think lockdown in the beginning I was doing a lot of video presentation training so the first thing that immediately happened once we all went on to zoom was people were questioning how am I coming across people getting very in their own heads about how they're coming across because all of a sudden you can see yourself whereas before if you're in a meeting you can't see your reactions you can't see how you're being so you don't focus on it all of a sudden you're the center, your face is not only on the screen, it's massive, like you're really close and and you're very aware of how people are seeing you. So all of a sudden you become self-conscious. So that was one of the first things that I did a lot of was video training, presentation, how to prepare yourself, how to get out of your own head, how to appear as you want to appear. And I think that's what it is with most of communication because communication is not about what you're saying, it's about what other people are receiving. And so it's how do we marry those two things together of what it is you want to say and what people are receiving so that the message is more closely aligned. How
0: do you get out of your own head on video? Because I mean, that is the secret. It's to Be for me, the secret is focusing on the person receiving the message. Like that's all that matters. They don't really care what you look like and how you come across, but perhaps that's not the whole story from your point of view. Like what, how can we get comfortable with this video thing?
1: No, I think that's it. It's about what are you focusing on? Because if the minute that you're focusing on yourself, you go into yourself and then you start scrutinizing every single thing you're doing, every word you're saying, every way that your body's moving. And then you lose connection with the person you're talking to because actually you are invested in you. So the trick to get out of your own head is to invest in the audience, whoever the audience is. It could be a friend, it could be a partner, it could be work, it could be you know your big boss. And it's just how am I making sure that, They're receiving what I want them to receive. How can I make sure I'm landing what I want to say with them? And the minute that you tune into that, what you're doing becomes less important because you're focused on looking at the other person. Are they understanding? Are they responding? Are they nodding away? You know, are they getting what I'm saying? Are they smiling back? Are they mirroring me? And from then you can continue to focus on that and you continue to stay out of your own spiraling thoughts because our minds tend to take us to very negative places very quickly. And once you make a mistake and you dwell on it, you'll find you start making more of those mistakes because now you're concentrating on it.
0: Oh, it's such a liberating mindset when you can really get into that zone of how, how is this going for the other person, not how is this going for me? But it's hard, it takes practice. So that was the first thing that happened in lockdown. I I feel like there was a second thing that happened in lockdown for you and your work.
1: Yeah, the second thing that I think happened in lockdown was, of course, Black Lives Matter and all that transpired with George Floyd's death and everything that happened after that. The interesting thing about the book that I wrote was I actually signed the deal pre-George Floyd because this was something that I had on my mind about conversation and communication. And, you know, it was on the way back from a lecture I went to about Meghan Markle, the monarchy, the British press. And I was thinking about all of these things and the way the press were reacting to Meghan Markle and the way the conversation was going. And it was after the time that there was that question on question time about white privilege and Lawrence Fox and all of those things. And I was looking at all of these things going on and and the absolute. mushroom it had become like, you know, it starts, the conversation starts and it grows, 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 grows out of all proportion to what we expect the conversation would be or where it would go. And I was thinking to myself, you know, working in comms, the way we're having this conversation is not helpful. The way that people are talking is not helpful. And what we're getting is a lot of emotion and passion on one side and a complete wall of emotionless and lack of passion and commitment on the other side. And that is not always about black and white people or Asian and white people, you know, being on one of those camps or the other. We are not talking to solutions. We are regurgitating problems, regurgitating ill feelings around problems on both sides. And then actually what we don't ever get to is what would we like the world to look like? Because we don't get there, we don't ever get to talking to that. And that's what I felt was missing. And for some people that downplays like really serious things. And there are some really serious things going on that cannot always be solved in this way. And I acknowledge that. But I think in the spaces where we are conversating and where conversation is happening, I think there's better ways we could be doing it.
0: What is it about our communications that might land Really badly for other people. Where does that start with unconscious bias, I suppose, and how we bring it? You must see it, we all see it all over the place, day in, day out, in writing, social posts, whatever. How do we start to deal with that, first of all? Is that step one?
1: I think it comes back to the same thing that stops us from communicating well on video. We are in our own heads thinking about what we're thinking how we're seeing it, how we see the world, how we see the other person, rather than thinking about how is this conversation landing with that other person. So most of us go into these conversations around any justice conversation or anything around social equality, social mobility, and we go in there thinking, I know the answer and I'm going to change the other person's mind. And from there, we start from a very losing, deficient position because we don't go to listen we don't go to understand the other point of view because we think we, we know that we are on the right side. And so it's not that anyone doesn't think, oh, we want a more equal world. If you ask anyone, they'd say, yes. But we disagree on the how, but we don't go into the conversation to see, okay, well, where is their synergy in our hows? Where is their difference? Where are we not understanding the way you're seeing it? Rather than going in saying, well, I know how the world could be solved. And this is how it could be solved. And you're going to hear me and you're going to learn something today. (laughs) I'm not going to learn anything today. You're going to learn something today. And I'm going to impress my view upon you about how the world could be better and why you're wrong. What happens in that space is we're dealing with one sweeping generalizations, which is very human. But another thing that stops is we stop dealing with the human being in front of us. And actually we deal with a stereotyped version of their views that we think they hold. And most of us hold very complex and nuanced views on a range of subjects, which has been brought about by the life we live, the people we know, where we were raised, the media we consume, the conversations that we have, the people that we don't know, the conversations we don't have and the media we do not consume. And so I think that step one is where are my views coming from? what are they based in and is there something that I'm missing here?
0: And oh boy I mean this is where social media really comes into its own in terms of downsides. This polarisation that you're talking about is just it's just writ large all over social media because I started this conversation by saying, you know, we all are aware of the need to do better. But what I'm actually talking about is the people in my bubble. The people in my bubble are all aware we want to do better. But equally, we see week in, week out by the treatment of sports personalities on social media. There's a whole heap of other people who are really not interested in doing better. And we are becoming, it seems, further and further apart. And the way we all talk to each other is becoming increasingly rude, aggressive, like you say, patronising at times, you know. So gosh, I mean, how do you start to make your communications less about educating you on how to be a better person and like, okay, let's talk. Is that what you want to promote?
1: I really do because first of all, all of us have problematic thoughts. Every single person would offend someone somewhere with something that they think and a view that they hold about themselves, about society, we are all problematic. And I think some of this conversation, why it gets problematic is because some of us think we're not problematic. We think we're the answer. And so we approach it from that view of, well, you know, because I'm an ally and because I'm a good person, I'm here to tell you. And as you say, in that space, actually people are becoming increasingly rude. So although that they say they are there to uh, stop an injustice, help people to educate people about an injustice, the way they are doing it, you would never accept it from someone. And I like to take it down sometimes into personal relationships. If someone came to you and said, you know, Helen, you're you know, you've got the wrong view, but they were really rude about it. And we just saying like, well, Helen, like you're wrong. And your, your thinking belongs in a different age and you're a dinosaur and your thoughts are outdated. And actually what you need to do is you need to go and educate yourself. You need to go and read a book, Helen. You absolutely would not listen to that person. You would not take them on. You would come back with your boundaries. How dare you? but yet we somehow think this is going to be productive on a wider scale and on social media, and it's not. And so I think sometimes in being right, we become very righteous. And in that righteousness of our rightness, there's almost nothing that we can't say to get someone's attention. And I would, in reality, doesn't work. And I think that I'm not advocating for bad or poor behavior I'm not advocating that people aren't strong in their views and that people aren't challenging and that people don't critique I think we should but I also think that you have to actually think what is your motivation in having this conversation today because if your motivation is actually to see change what are the tools that bring about change? And what are the tools that bring about an argument? And as I write in my book, um, you know, How to Win Friends and Influence People, rather Machiavellian book, but I did enjoy reading it. But as Dale Carnegie says, no one ever wins an argument. And deep down, we know no one wins an argument, but yet we try to argue our way to justice. And I think when we look at the movements that have achieved great things, there wasn't that kind of Argument in that way, actually. What they did was they showed a different way to be and they modelled the way it could be done. And I think that's why we look at someone like Martin Luther King and we praise him, but he wasn't liked at the time because he was a challenge. You know, we love his quotes now because they look great on the ground, very peaceful. But he was at one time called the most hated man in America. So we have to understand that he had challenge, he had rigor, he had critique. But at the same time, he had a way of doing it that couldn't be ignored. He wasn't rude. He wasn't argumentative in that way. He was smart about the way that he did it and he got results.
0: I'm wondering, Janelle, whether you feel nervous about putting your book out into the world and how it's going to be received by different communities, the kind of criticism you're putting yourself out in front of do you feel that or do you feel like i'm no this is this is my contribution let's see how it lands
1: i feel very nervous you know i feel anytime you put anything out there in the world you do put it out there for criticism and critique but of course none of us want it which is also part of what i'm writing about really you know what i'm saying is None of us want that critique. We don't mind giving it, but no one likes to get it. If we really want a a better world, how can we drop our egos in this? Because the ego needs to be right and it needs everyone to say, yes, great idea. Some people are going to read my book and think, what a load of rubbish. And some people are going to read my book and think that I'm an enemy of progress. Some people are going to read my book and think that I'm unrealistic and naive and I don't understand how the world works. And I have to be okay with that because I'm literally writing about it, but I have to be okay with it.
0: Oh, I don't know, bloody hell. Janelle, you're sounding pretty wise to me. Two things I'm taking away while I'm processing what you're saying. Don't think you're not problematic. I love that. We have to know that we all all carry our own biases that are a product of our own upbringing and environments and apply more psychology to how you communicate with people. Of course, nobody wants to be lectured. Like, I have to approach a friend that doesn't want to take a vaccine. You can't go in there going, you bloody idiot, take the vaccine. Or you can't say that you're a racist. And I'm definitely not a racist because I've shared this on Instagram. And I see a lot of that and it makes me feel uncomfortable. But I realised in preparing for this interview for my part, that I shy away from talking about issues like this online because I worry I'm going to expose my own biases that I don't know are there. So I go, oh my God, I'm going to put something out there and I'm going to get it wrong. How do you think the best way to enter these conversations are for people who feel like, how am I going to get this right?
1: So I think using the vaccine is probably a great, you know, example. Like you said, you know, there is various ways you can approach it. You know, some people are unfriending people because they won't get vaccinated. To what end is my question, you know? And so then you're not friends with them. So will they then get vaccinated? Probably not. Um, Then you just, you lose a friendship. So I think one, it's about thinking, who is the person in front of me that I'm speaking to? I think it's about understanding your one relationship with them and the influence you have over them. Because sometimes we're trying to change minds of people that we don't have any influence over. We don't have any power or agency in that situation. And so it's about thinking about that. What is my ability to influence? Now, it could be that your ability to influence is huge. It could be small. You think there could be a little crack that you can get through um, and, and say something that might help to move the dial for them. So one, it's assessing that. Two, assessing the lens that you are looking at this subject matter through and potentially trying to, very, very hard, but trying to understand the lens that they might be looking at this through. So if someone has all they've read is QAnon, Bill Gates is putting a chip in you, you know, if if this is literally their space, you just coming in like a bull in a China shop, like, well, there's the science, Well, they obviously don't believe the science. So maybe it's approaching it more with a question. You know, it's when they're saying something, I say, well, that's really interesting. Why do you think Bill Gates would want to put chips in 7 billion people? That's a genuine question. Let them also ask that question. And by asking the question, then you start thinking, well, seven billion people, a lot of people to control. And actually, what would you be doing with all, you know, to what end? So I think there's something about also interrogating the, the subject matter together. It's a conversation.
0: Thinking Broadly about social justice as a whole and how that fits with a brand or a small brand or a business, do you think it's really important that we are talking about these issues, even if we sell paintings or social media advice or whatever it is that you do? Do we have to have these conversations? Do we have to make our position clear? What's your advice to clients and what would be your advice to a friend?
1: I think my advice to people is always don't wade into waters where you can't swim (laughs) because I think sometimes people inadvertently put themselves in positions that they can't back, they can't explain, they can't actually talk to. And so I think a lot of people push themselves into a position where they make a stand on something that they can't actually maintain or follow through. So you saw this a lot after Black Lives Matter, people posted their black squares, they committed, they're going to be better, you know, they're going to be an ally, they're speaking up, they're speaking out. And a year on, it is a puff of nothing. And actually, for me, that is worse than not really engaging or having much to say. But I think, again, we do it because we, don't, we want to be seen to be doing something. And so, again, it comes down to interrogating your motivation behind doing this thing. Am I doing this thing so that everyone can see that my organisation is doing a thing, which then actually you go back on your brand or give your brand a bad name because actually your brand promises something that you then don't deliver? Or am I doing this because I'm genuinely in it, in it for the long haul, want to learn, want to understand, want to go on a journey. So I think in that sense, it's better that way, but it's also about managing expectations. Don't promise that all of a sudden you're going to have like 50% black staff when you're not. And, you know, don't promise that you're going to do all these things that you can't. And I think the other thing that was really interesting that I definitely find as a, you know, as a comms person is people's Instagram feed suddenly became a Benetton advert of rainbows of different colors of people when actually what's going on in your business does not reflect that reality whatsoever, and all it takes is for someone to really scratch the surface to see what is going on underneath is very much not a Benetton advert. And we have to think about all the times, authenticity isn't a thing that we appear to be, which is what it's become. So we appear to be authentic. Actually, we shouldn't demonstrate authenticity. We should be authentic. So you and businesses, you will know within yourselves and your brand DNA if there's something that you are authentically doing. So there's a difference between pledging something and writing something to say, we support this. I would always say, if you can speak up for justice, do, because we would like to see a more just world. But don't do it because you want to be seen to be good. Do it because you want to be good, because that's the only way that we actually see real change.
0: And it just applies right across your communications like what is really the case what is really the truth and that's where it starts from that's where it starts from and that's where we move forward like what can you really tell people about when it comes to what you do and what you believe in and what you value and what your real life is talk about that stuff you don't have to talk about what everybody else is talking about and social media and all the noise on the internet can can make you panic and it can make you feel like, God, I haven't said something about this. Should I have said something about this? Do you just say, settle, petal and just make this about something that's real over many years? You
1: know? Yeah. And I, and, I, and I do feel for people because often people do go to brands and say, well, you haven't spoken out against this and you haven't And so I do think, you know, and part of good comms is about having a decent answer for these things. And the answer can be, you know, we're supporting behind the scenes, but we're trying to think meaningfully about what change means for us. That is an honest answer that speaks to the heart of what is going on. And everywhere I work, I just encourage people, why are you posting that? Are you posting it because everyone else is posting it? Or, you know, are we gonna do something about this? And so I think... But it's really, and I get it, it's hard because it's like you're swimming against the tide. The day that people posted black squares, and I really dis- disagreed with that on some levels because it felt very performative to me, I actually like logged out of all my social apps because the pressure to post a black square was so much. I'm a black person who cares deeply about social justice, who cares deeply about racial equality. And I'm not confining that to posting a black square, but equally I'm not knocking anyone who does because if you want to do it, then do it. But I think we get into this thing where we then take that as a measure of whether someone is doing something or not. And I would say that posting on a social media is akin to posting about what you had for dinner last night. It's just something that is easy to do. So we do it, but doesn't actually give an indication of everything that you eat all week and all month
0: social media in general racism and abuse do you have feelings on how that can be tackled a view with how how the platforms could start to tackle the negativity online
1: on one side i completely understand why people are advocating for you need id to have a social media account because i think a lot of us a lot of us, even sometimes I, sometimes I have to check myself about the things I'm typing, especially about politicians, because they are people. And sometimes I, you know, I have to remind myself. So I I get what the anonymity online can do for people when they have, you know, no name, no face. Also, we know that other states do interfere and, and post things. So on one hand, I get that. Then the other side, people say, well, more marginalized people will actually lose out if we do that because of the ID question and the inability to sometimes have the ID and to produce it. And there are certain instances where, you know, we saw it with the Arab Spring and and whistleblowing, where to have an anonymous account is essential, really, and needed and necessary to highlight some things that people just could not ask themselves. It's not just about the anonymity. The issue is that we have deep divisions in our culture that we have not dealt with what would help cut this down? Understanding, compassion, and really getting to the root cause of some of these ways of thinking that are harming our society and harming people. And I think especially our young people and the generations coming behind. So for me, until we tackle that, we can do whatever we like with social media, you know, in a sense, because It's the festering feelings behind why people are posting that is the issue. And the posting is the almost, you know, is the symptom of the deep ills that we have in our society, of the ways that we do not care for each other and the ways that we have become very individualistic. And so, you know, we fight for us and people who look like us, whoever us is by our own definition, Rather than thinking about the collective whole, we can debate about ID and we should, but let's fix the problem. And the problem is we live in a society where people genuinely are discriminating against people by virtue of who they are born, where they are born, the circumstances that they don't choose and are actually using those biases, that discrimination to stop people in their journey, to abuse them, to, you know, be violent towards them. That's what we need to fix. The social media does need fixing, but that's a symptom of something deeper. And I I think that's what we should be talking about.
0: Janelle, I'm incredibly grateful for your time. I have found this conversation to be uplifting and thought provoking i think you're brilliant and i have no doubt that people are going to get a huge amount out of reading your book do your sales pitch what do i get if i buy communicate for change
1: so i think if someone is thinking i'd love to have tough conversations better but i'm nervous i don't know how to have these tough conversations how to start or frequently i dig myself into holes where people think i'm offensive and i'm not i'm just trying to find out more um i think this book might be helpful for you to understand a bit more about how you're entering the conversation and how other people are entering and where we can all meet in the middle and understand each other a bit better
0: Beautiful, thank you so much for your time
1: Thank you for having me Helen
0: I reckon that's So much of better communication comes down to what Janelle said in her first point about Zoom calls. It's all about getting out of your own head and just for a second, trying to get into the heads of the person on the other end of the conversation. What do they need to hear so that they can come round to your way of thinking? What they need to hear is almost certainly not how wrong they are and how great and good and right you are meeting at that point is where true influence can happen and you can change minds and you can apply that thinking all over the place it's not just about social justice conversations it can help you to get things done another great point Janelle if you don't mean it don't go there be authentic don't just try and look like you're authentic on the internet Brilliant. That's it. If you listen to this somewhere that does reviews like Apple Podcasts, I am aiming to get a hundred of those reviews by the end of the series. Could you help me get there? The five star ones are particularly lovely to see. They're so welcome. Thank you so much for listening. That's it. I'll see you next time. I'll see you on Friday, actually, for a post it note. I'm going to share my thoughts this week on Instagram's pivot to video i've been having lots of feelings lots of thoughts about reels and i'm going to try and make some sense out of how i feel about where the platform's going and what that means for all of us see you then bye